Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about sales for non-sales people with the help of special guest Jeff Borovitz of Sandler Training in San Francisco, California. Alongside Tim Fowler, I am your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Don't forget, keep sending me ideas. I got one a couple of weeks ago that I'm working on right now to fill that out. But send me ideas to Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com and I'll do the best I can to find a guest or maybe just Steve and I will talk about it and uh, we'll try to answer your questions. So at many conferences, now I've spoken at a lot of conferences across the country, I am typically speaking with a production-based audience, but on many occasions, I'll just tell the, ask the group there, like, everybody that's a salesperson in this room, raise your hands. And there'll be, you know, five, six, seven, there's always a few sales business owners in that room. And then I'll, have, I'll tell it, say everybody, like, everybody raise your right hand and repeat after me. I am a salesperson. And it, it's an interesting thing to see. It's always fun to see just what happens because there's always a few people that just aren't going to do what they're told until they know it's safe, right? And then there are others that see salespeople as shifty, crafty people that trick you into buying. So they're not going to say, I'm a salesperson, and then there are others that just aren't quite sure what I'm up to. So they're a little bit hesitant, but eventually I'll get everybody to say I am a salesperson. So this is part one of a two-part episode, <clears throat> excuse me, on sales for non-sales people. So in this first segment, we're going to discuss some general ideas like why is this so important and what can be the results of either ignoring it or embracing it. And then in the second episode, uh, which will follow this one a week following, we're going to address some specific situations and we're going to just throw some ideas out to our guest and say, all right, how would we handle this from a sales perspective? So Steve, let's jump into it and get started. Absolutely. So Jeff Borovitz is known for triple digit revenue and profit increases with over 25 years of experience as an award winning quota busting salesperson, sales manager, general manager and small business owner. Jeff has been on over 5000 face to face sales calls and has dialed the phone over 150,000 times to schedule appointments, follow up and close sales. He has trained thousands of salespeople as a sales trainer for three of the largest sales training companies in the world. Jeff has advised, trained, and coached small and medium-sized companies, as well as large enterprise companies on developing stronger sales teams, closing more sales, and leading organizational change. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Dave. Great, uh, great to be here. All right. So um, I believe you currently work for Sandler or you're part of the Sandler organization. Tell us a little bit about that 
and what do you do as as your role with them? Sure, I uh, I am a Sandler training franchise owner, uh, and one one of the areas I specialize in is remodeling. Uh, is working with remodeling companies, um, and I probably have a unique perspective on it. Not while I have never owned. Let me be very clear: I've never owned a remodeling company, and, and I've never and I've never sold remodeling and. Oh my gosh, you probably don't want me building anything, uh, <laughs> at least if you want to live in it. Um, at, but I, I, my wife and I own different properties across the United States, and we've done over 36 remodeling projects as a client. Oh, and wow. So we've had the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> on the remodeling side. And so I bring not only the sales knowledge of how to, uh, of how to communicate better, but also what the client feels. And how and how the client feels, and a lot of a lot of the things that we do in the remodeling industry makes people feel not okay sometimes. You know, you, it was funny you taught you spoke about in the opening, Tim. Uh, you talked about how uh, you know sales. Some people look at sales as kind of slimy and sleazy. And I don't know. Do you ever the, remember the old game show Password? Uh, vaguely, yes. Yeah. So they put they put something behind the per behind the person, and they'd be looking out, and the other person would give hints. They couldn't use any part of the word, and, right. and you know, it's funny. I like to play password uh, at conferences with with people, and I'll put the word, I'll put different words up, then I'll put salesperson up behind them, and and the hints that come from the audience, not from me, are. Uh, our sleazy, slimy, snake-like <laughs> eyes, uh, con man. Uh, it, and, and, and it's amazing. It's just amazing to me the negative perception that sales can have. Some people think that it is a dirty word. And, yeah. and, and it's really not. It, I mean, what it really is, is it really is the world's oldest profession. And I know what most people think is the world's oldest profession, <laughs> but before that could happen, somebody had to invent the concept of selling something. Yeah, somebody and was so selling Adam and Eve Apple, wasn't it? Weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So, so you compound that with the challenge that production people typically have with salespeople anyway. There's that that conflict of of uh purpose i think and or maybe even it's just we just don't understand each other's language very well and so you will have that reaction like hey i'm not a i, I remember a contractor at telling me that i was a great salesman i was a production manager at the time and i said there's no way i'm not a salesperson looked me dead in the eye and said oh yes you are and i you know and i guess maybe that was the beginning of the revelation that oh yes i am so but you know Steve, tim if i could interrupt for one no. one one second i think it's important to note that sa- people what sales is and what sales is not go sales is not about trying to convince anybody about anything that is not what sales is all that sales is and what Sandler is, is a communication system to more effectively communicate with other human beings. In general, people like people who communicate with them in a way they're comfortable. And, and so, you know, if you think about it, I, when I think about it, my, when I think about my mom and dad, my dad, when I was growing up, my dad and I were like two Rams in that Dodge Ram commercial, <laughs> right? And, and it was really because my dad communicated with me from his point of view and didn't care about my point of view. 
My mom, on the other hand, and I have a great relationship and have my whole life because my mom was very good. We had four of us, four kids. And my mom was, my mom didn't talk to any one of us the same way. She altered her communication style depending on who she was talking to. And so it wasn't one size fits all like my dad was, which was his way or the highway. But my mom would alter her communication to make me feel more comfortable. And that's really what sales is, is understanding how to communicate more effectively with others in a way they're comfortable with. And if you do that, you build trust really fast. All right. So let's, let's get right down to it. So you're obviously familiar with the remodeling world. So why should all of us production people or people, even an office manager or an estimator or a designer who are not in the direct function of selling something, why should we care about sales technique or as what you're saying, the communication styles? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's exactly why is it's about communication, not sales. And, and whether, whether you're a carpenter on a job a lead carpenter, a project manager, a project developer, whatever title you might have, or the office manager, or the, the lead intake person, or the DOFI, or whoever you are in the organization, you still have to effectively communicate with other people in your organization, whether it's other people on the job site, clients directly, the sales people, the designers, whatever it is, you still have to communicate effectively. And so that's why we should care about the, these techniques because if you're a carpenter on the job, I'll tell you what, um, as I said earlier, we've done, we've done 36 remodel jobs. And I, in those jobs, I've taught in our different houses and I've talked to the carpenters, the guys swinging the hammers about things because I generally find they're the ones that give me the straight dope, right? <laughs> as the homeowner, I would rather talk to them than anybody else. I don't, but, uh, but some of those, some of those folks are really great carpenters, but oh boy, the interpersonal skills. Right. Can be a bit of a challenge. And so that's why this is important. You are, whether you are swinging hammers, answering phones, doing office work, design work, owning the company or sales or any other role I may have missed in there, <laughs> um, you are in the business of communicating with others. And that's why we have to be very, very effective at, at communication skills, because at some point you're going to have, you're, you're, if you're not good at communication skills, miscommunications are going to occur. And when those occur, it causes all kinds of fires uh, that then others have to put out. So I'm kind of jumping here a little bit, but I'm assuming that good communication, at least in part, is allowing the other person to be comfortable with us. In other words, if they're uncomfortable, it doesn't seem like good communication is going to take place. They'll put up barriers, they'll, you know, they'll hold back whatever it is. So give me some ideas about what some of us, again, project managers, lead carpenters, uh, production managers, working with clients, uh, what are some of the things that we might be doing unintentionally you know we're all trying hard but maybe there's some things that come out of us without us thinking about it that kind of make that relationship uncomfortable what are what might be some of those oh yeah it's when we it's mostly when we use jargon or technical language 
I'll give you an example, Tim. We 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 converted the garage in our house to a teen room this year. And so we put we put a put an actual ceiling in and had them put an attic space above the ceiling with plywood and and we put air conditioning in we finished we've got what i wanted to do for 16 years i lived in the house which is to put the epoxy floor into the garage um uh, and and so now we have this really great teen room that my kids love right but right. i remember standing there and i know a little bit a little bit about remodeling i remember standing there with the guy and he's talking to me about is he's talking to me about the project he goes yeah we're going to put some ldls across here and then we'll hang the we'll hang the plywood and we'll do this with we're going to use 7 eighths plywood to do and I, whoa way over my head right <laughs> I, it all made sense to him i didn't know i have no idea at that point what an LVL is. Right. Right. And when we do that and we talk about that kind of thing, which is common language for our production people, your homeowners are lost. They have no idea what you're talking about. You might as well have come in and gone, blah, 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 because that's all they heard. You know, I, I, I tell people all the time, <laughs> when you start using jargon, it's like, remember the te- remember when you, you grew, when were growing up, we used to watch the Peanuts cartoons? And whenever an adult would speak, it was wah, 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 yeah, wah, wah. Yep. That's when you start using jargon, that's 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 what your client hears is what the homeowner's hearing, wah, 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 wah. And yep. they don't, their eyes glaze over and they have no idea what you're talking about. And it puts them in a, what we call, there's this psychology thing called okay, not okay. All and right. And it puts them in a not okay state. And when people go into a not okay state, they shut down hearing and listening to what you're saying. So and- I got a quick story and then I want to ask a question though. So I remember as a kid hearing my parents talking with my uncle about him leaving the Navy and going into horticulture. Now, I don't know why I knew that the ladies of the nights were called and I'm not even going to say it, but, and I was just wondering how could they be talking about my uncle going into this business, you know, and uh, I just, but it leads to the question, why didn't I ask? And why don't clients ask? Why, what is it? Shouldn't they be saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't know what an LVL is. You know, what, what, why can't we count on them to ask us to define the things that we just use so commonly? You know, it's, so, Tim, sometimes I get production people that come into our um, in, into our uh, client, our uh, the client, the client services class that I teach, right, for designers and production people. And right. we get more designers in there than we do production people, which is actually kind of a shame because the production folks would really benefit from the techniques in the class. But it's the same reason that they don't want to come to the class. When I talk to production people, they go, I don't want to feel stupid. And I'm afraid I'm going to feel stupid. Your homeowners are exactly the same way. They don't want to feel stupid. Nobody wants to admit, well, I don't know what that is. Because right. we've grown up being told, well, you don't do that, right? And, 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 and so we have this value window we've developed growing up that mom and dad told us, oh, well, it's, it, you, know, you, don't, you don't ask too many questions. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to talk about money. Because it's rude to talk about money, right? And then, you know, the biggest myth, right, is that you have to wait some amount of time after you eat to go swimming, right? right. Which was the other thing our parents taught us. And, 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 and so those are three things that it's just, you know, it's one of the things when I, as, I, as my wife and I are raising our kids, they can jump in chewing the last bite of hot dog. I don't care. 
Uh, they, and, and money is not a taboo subject at our house. You know, I've taught my kids that it's okay to talk about money. It's just, there's times and places for it. Right. And, and, and then third, I've taught my kids there it, that questions are a sign of intelligence and ask lots of questions. Cause when you look at the smartest people in the world, they got that way because they asked lots of questions. Well, I must be the smartest person uh, on the podcast then because I ask all the questions. So, uh, so all right. So let's kind of let's kind of dig in. I I've heard from uh, one of my good friends who will will be on a podcast with us uh, from Kentucky talks about this Palo thing, P A L O, and he always talks about don't forget Palo and what what is that. And what's that got to do with non-production people and their communication or their selling, if you will? Sure. A palo is a, well, I'll, first I'll define it and then I'll give some examples. A palo is an, a, it's an acronym to remember how a meeting should run. It's a, basically, it's like an agenda setting statement for the meeting or a set of rules for the meeting that you're going to have or the interaction you're going to have. So if we're doing a weekly, so I, I, I teach the production people when they're, when they have their weekly update meeting with the homeowners, whether you're doing that, whatever day of the week you're doing it in, you should do a Palo. Hey, we're, we're, we're here to, the, the P stands for purpose of the meeting, which is, Hey, we're here to uh, discuss your project and give you an update on the project. A stands for agendas and notice I was plural there, their agenda and your agenda. Right. right. You, and you always here's the here's the secret. Um, and I, I'm going to ask your, your listeners to not share it with anybody that doesn't listen to po- podcasts. <laughs> if they want somebody else to know the secret, they got to come and listen to the whole podcast. Um, but the, the, the secret is that if you don't get the, your client's agenda first, they will almost always. And when you say I want to cover A, B and C, they'll say uh, and then you say, oh, is there anything you want to cover? They'll say, no, that sounds good. But if you say to them, you know, hey, Stephen, in order for this to be a good use of our time today, what's one or two things we, that we would talk about by the end? Now, Stephen feels compelled to answer me. And then I can, I can, I can add that. And here's the key, one of the key, why this is so powerful. One of the keys to communicate great communication is talking about the things the other person wants to talk about. Right. right. And then you can share your, your agenda after you get theirs. The L is for logistics. How long is the meeting going to last, right? Is this update meeting 15 minutes? Is it five minutes? Is it an hour? I don't know, but you want your homeowner to know that. And who do they need to have there? And who do you need to have there, right? Do they, do you, are, you, are you okay talking to one spouse and not the other? Or do you want both spouses to be there? Do they need to have, do they, does, the, does the designer from your side need to be there? Does the salesperson need to be there? Who needs to be there? And yet everybody will agree on that and how long it's going to last, right? And then the O is, and this is the area that most people fall down on. The O is for the outcome. What is the decision that is going to be made at the end of this meeting? And we're going to, before we ever get into the meeting, we're going to mutually agree on all of those things. Have you ever uh, been to a baseball game? Yeah. Yeah. So, at base at a baseball game, the umpires meet with the managers at home plate before the game. They talk about they exchange lineup cards, which are the agendas for the game, right? Right. right. They talk about logistics. You know, um, 
Stevens, unfortunately, an Eagles fan, which I'm going to I'm going to assume then means he's also a Phillies fan. Um, and, and so if they're, if we're playing at the Philly ballpark, they're going to talk about what happens if the ball hits a low, above the yellow line on the wall or below the yellow line on the wall or on the yellow line. So there's no misunderstandings in the middle of the game. They're going to talk about the ground rules. So those are logistics. And then at the, the outcome is going to be the winner is whichever team scores more runs at the end of the game. Right. And they, that's what they do. And we, we need to do the same thing and get mutual agreement so that we don't get to the end of our of our weekly update and ask the client for a decision and have them be surprised. Right. And surprise is the worst result of communication that we can get. And the reason for that is that psychologically, a surprised mind almost always says no. Right. And so I tell people. That is that surprise is the enemy of yes. <laughs> and, and so if we want to get to yes at the end of our at the end of these update meetings, we need to do a good palo and get mutual agreement about everything in the palo, including the outcome of what decision is going to be made, so that there's no surprise and clients are more likely to say yes and give you a decision because. The worst thing is if you're trying to get them, I remember we had a project when we were redoing our kitchen. We were crazy. We knocked out pretty much all the interior walls in the front of the house um, and we're rebuilding things. And they knocked out a wall that surprise, surprise was supposed to be a firewall. Ah. And there was no there was no insulation in the wall. It was stuffed with paper towels and newspapers. Right. Um, and, and I know that's never happened to anybody other than me, but we, we had this emergency update meeting because it wasn't fire blocked. It wasn't the right material and it was going to add cost to the job. Right. Now we had, we had this meeting and they didn't, they just, they just dumped it on us and said, so it's going to add this much. It's going to add this much money. Uh, what do you want to do? And my wife and I were like shocked. We didn't know what to do because it was in excess of our uh-oh budget that we had set aside. Right. Right. And if we use this, there were no room for any other uh-ohs. Yeah. And, and it developed into this thing that actually dragged on for a couple of days, all because we were surprised by how it was communicated to us. So I got two questions that relate to this. So, the outcome isn't just getting through the meeting a good enough outcome because it feels like sometimes those weekly meetings with clients that we're just trying to get through without a conflict. We're just trying to get through, you know what, everybody good. All right, great. Let's go. You know, you go to work. I'll go to work. We're all good, you know, and, and hoping that nobody brings anything bad up, right? It, it's like, Let's just hope they don't think to bring that up. So let address that first, if you would, Jeff. What is just getting through the meeting a good enough outcome? So in short, no, um, <laughs> it, it, it's not. I, anytime we meet with a client, we should have a purpose for meeting with them. Um, and we should have the agendas. We should have logistics and we should have a good, solid outcome. Even if the outcome is simply an agreement that we're on track and moving and we're, and we're going to keep going and here's what we're going to accomplish before our next uh, uh, update meeting. Right. My favorite, my favorite contractor I've ever worked with. He, he met with me twice a week on Mondays and Fridays, Monday mornings. He told me exactly what they were going to accomplish for the week. 
On Friday, he met to tell me that they accomplished that and a little bit more. Now, I'm pretty sure in hindsight that he was sandbagging a little bit on the Monday meetings, um, <laughs> but it made me feel good that he was running ahead of where he was going to be every week. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant strategy on his part um, to tell me what we were going to do, get my agreement, and then do a little bit more. Uh, and you know, he took our 12-week project and completed it in 10. We were overjoyed. We right. still... That was eight years ago. We still refer him to people. Nice, nice. And, 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 and so these update meetings, I think, are very important in building trust. When we talk about, you know, the worst thing that we can do at the end, uh, at, we can have happen at the end of a project is for the client to feel bad about the experience, right? right? If the homeowner doesn't feel good about the experience, that's a problem. The two happiest days in the experience should be the day that they get final design approved and sign the construction agreement and the day you turn the keys back to them. Those should be the two happiest days in the homeowner's experience with you. And if they're not, it's because we fell down somewhere in our process. And by the way, when we fall down in our process and we fail to communicate effectively is usually what leads to the dreaded bad review. Right. Right. And that and that's the worst thing. And that's the biggest problem with not communicating effectively is it leads to bad reviews. Forget the lost revenue that your company's losing because you're not going to get referrals. Just the bad review is enough to cause a problem. So let's talk about the idea that I'm a project manager. I'm having my weekly meeting or whatnot with a client. And I, you know, I'm the president of the conflict avoiders club. And I have no, no problem admitting that. I'll raise my right hand and say, hi, I'm Tim. I'm a conflict avoider. And so my tendency, like I kind of suggested in my little illustration a minute ago, was to only talk about or is to only talk about the good things that are going on and hide or try to hide the negative things that are going on. Like uh, we've gotten off schedule or... I mean, obviously, the example that you gave, you pretty much have to bring that up. It's going to cost a lot of money that, you know, I can't hide that thing. But there are other little things that I can think I'm going to hide. I'll put it that way. And, and so I'm just wondering, what, what role does the sales thought, the communication thought play in bringing up these negative things to a client? So, first of all, yeah. It's I want to acknowledge for everybody, it's uncomfortable to bring up things that you know are going to cause conflict. There are certain people that thrive on conflict, and there are people that avoid conflict. Tim, what's your disc style? Oh, I, do you want to guess? Do I'm going to guess, guess? Uh, I'm about a 19 on the D and about the same on the I, which is unusual because I'm such a people person. Very high S and very high C. Yeah. So high S and C people tend to avoid conflict. Matter of fact, sometimes when you're talking to a high S person, they can be nodding yes when they're yep. looking at you and they mean no, <laughs> just because they, they want to avoid conflict at all costs. Right. And, and, and so what I'm going to tell you is this, the, the, remember a while ago, I, a little while ago, I said, surprise is the enemy of yes. Yes. When you avoid conflict and the client and you avoid bringing up something that was, that was, that you should have brought up and the client finds out about it on their own or figures it out on their own, that destroys trust, trust in you as a production lead, 
trust uh, and the, it destroys trust in the company as a whole. And now you've got an unhappy homeowner who, by the way, the average happy homeowner is going to tell five or 10 people. The unhappy homeowner is going to tell everybody, right? right? <laughs> They're going to tell everybody. And so you don't want to get to that point. What I will tell you is that people will always respect you more for bringing something up that is a problem. Now, we can't just dump the problem in our clients' laps. Okay. We have to come with some solutions, right? And maybe it's not the solution they're going to want. But when you come with half a thing, that frustrates people. When you come with, hey, we've got this problem. We're actually running a week behind schedule. Right. Right. And, you, and, and maybe there's a way to cut a couple of days off of that, that you can bring to the client as an idea. Maybe there's not, but whatever it is, you've got to lead with it and be upfront with it. Cause that builds trust people. If you come in and fall on the sword, people generally will, will try to rescue you. Yeah. If you come in and you avoid it and they find out about it, you are the bad guy and they are going, you are not, you are now target number one for them. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a, a big, a big thing. It's something I've tried to encourage other people. I try to be a little more proactive, you know, even though I would really rather avoid it, but uh, I, I know that's a, a really critical thing. So Jeff, this has been amazing. We need hold on, to Tim. If I had one thing to that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and, and so let me give everybody a talk that's listening, a talk track that they might try to use for that. Just some language. And okay. you know, this is Jeff, San Francisco, Jeff doing it. So, you know, uh, you might have to adjust it in other parts of the country and that's fine. Everybody's going to have, a, and it's also my high I personality style, right? Talking. So if you're an S, a C or a D, you might have to adjust this a little bit. I'm going to admit that. But the talk track for me goes something like this. You know, uh, Tim, I, I feel ha- I, I have something uncomfortable I have to talk to you about. And I fear that it's going to upset you. And then I'm going to pause. And most people, when I do that, they say, well, what is it? Are you right. sure you want to know? Yeah, I want to know. Okay, well, here's, here's, here's what I have to talk to you about. And just that softening statement, making, making yourself the victim right from the start. I'm afraid you're going to get mad at me. Right. It really softens it up and it takes the wind out of some people's sails. Yeah. So I was wondering, you know, when I'm talking about change orders, I I will tell people, look, let the client tell you to spend their money, even if they have to spend it. And it sounds like the same thing that what you're talking about here is let the client tell you, give me the bad news. Or give me the uncomfortable news. Tell me what you're thinking as opposed to just going like, hey, here's the bad news and and hoping it doesn't blow up in your face. So I really, really like that. So, Jeff, one more time. Say it it one more time. What's the talk track again? Oh, boy. I don't know if I can say it exactly the same way, but I'll do my best. Just give it to us again. You know, hey, hey, Tim, um, I've got some bad news and I'm afraid... I'm afraid that when I share with you, you're going to get really upset. And then I'm going to pause. They're going to tell me that, no, no, I want to know. Okay, well, here's what's going on. I'm really sorry. And then I'm going to lay it out. Okay, cool. All right, Steve. 
I have some high DME, so we could role play that, Jeff. <laughs> I may not let you get to that second sentence. <laughs> That's okay. I can. What, if what you're gonna be now? a high D. I could be a high D when I when I role play it with you too. Because then the yeah. different as a high D. So, um, I mean, I am. I love Sandler through and through, and I like that you say it's a communication system. And you know, we could talk to the higher up Sandler people. You know, it almost. You know, the fact that it's sales may sometimes take away when we're talking to production people. So when we're telling our team, our project managers, lead carpenters, production manager, that when we are running a meeting with the team, the clients, we're going through a payload. Where what are we looking for? Because, you know, if we're talking to salespeople, we're looking for a close. When we're talking to a, a production team, you know. We're looking for a smooth job, but how, how do you communicate that in the benefits of a payload every single time? Now, as a salesperson, I see it, but the production team, what are the benefits? So good question. So Tim's friend that he mentioned in Kentucky, every meeting at their, at their company begins with a payload. Um, they, 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 they've just made it part of the culture, right? And, and so the, the reason you want to begin it with the meeting is A, um, when they started doing this, they were able to eliminate some meetings because they found that there were some meetings that had no purpose. And so right away you had less meetings. Okay. Um, and when they, when, and, and so, and so when we, when we know the purpose and it's mutually agreed upon with the client, when we know the agenda that what the client wants to know, what you want to share, very, very important. When we, and the logistics, Hey, listen, most of these production update meetings are just a few minutes, right? They're not, they're not super long. Uh, matter of fact, the only time it goes long is when there's a problem. And, and and knowing what the biggest thing is, when I'm a production person, I've got to talk to a homeowner that's got a problem, that whether it be a change order or the uh-oh that happens on jobs. I want to I want to make sure that they understand before we get into it, before I've told them what it is, and before they get all emotionally charged up, what decision I need them to make. And while they're still calm and rational. And so I think there's that. And then I think when we are communicating, when as a business owner, communicating to your production team, it's the same thing, right? You all, all I mean, when you go through, a, to go to a job, don't you do a job walk when you get there? That's yeah. your purpose. Yeah. And then you're looking at the plans. There's your agenda, right? You've said, we're going to be here for 12 weeks. There's our logistics. And the outcome is going to be, hey, we're going to have a completed job in 12 weeks that we can hand to the homeowner that we'd be cr- proud to sign our names on. And, and really, we're doing a problem with the production team when they first get when they first get assigned to the job. All right. So we're going to have to wrap this up. I think we could keep going for a while. We are going to do another episode. So maybe we'll you know continue some of these thoughts during that uh, time. And so. Jeff, just be thinking for a minute, like what would be a good kind of juicy tidbit to kind of wrap this up. But I, I just want to comment about those last things and that for a production person who likes production to occur, not having an outcome of any meeting is like the worst thing in the world. What did we do? We just sat here and talked about stuff and nothing happened. I just you know, for me, it's like drives me crazy. And I know that's true for a lot of production folks as well. So one last little tidbit here, Jeff, and then we'll uh, 
stop for today, but we'll bring it, bring some stuff back up in the next episode. Sounds good. So my tidbit, my closing tidbit for this episode would be a palo without the O, without the outcome, makes you just a pal. And you're not at the <laughs> client's house to become friends. You're at the client's house to build something. And so let's always keep that in mind. Hello, without the O, you're just a pal. I love it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. This has been great. I'm looking forward to the next segment and uh, learning just a little bit more about, you know, sales for non-sales people. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me on. And I think this is probably the most underserved topic that, that we have in the remodeling industry. So I think it's incredibly important. So thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. So, Tim, I could uh, really riff about this all day. I love, you know, just talking about sales, but I love Sandler. I think Sandler is uh, an incredible program. As Jeff said, uh, a communication style, it's communication service, really, for your team, for your entire staff. Um, I think you could do Sandler with everything. I use it for parenting. I use it, you know, in a lot of discussions that I have. So, I think bringing it into the production world is just a, a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I think the thing I, I will say, I love the the palo without the O, you're just a pal. And we all know we're not out there to be pals with everybody, although some of us like me would like to be pals with everybody, but it's just not possible uh, in our world to always be the good guy. Sometimes we have to be uh, dealing with some of those challenges. But here's what the, the statement that just opened my eyes today. Surprise is the enemy of yes. And I don't know how I could have lived to be 64 years old and not heard that because it is so true. And I think back on all these conflict, again, sometimes it's not conflict, it's just perceived conflict, but all these conversations that I've had with people that have not gone well and an awful lot of them have been because I just dumped it on them. It was just like, surprise, jump out of the closet. This is, you know, here's a trauma for us to deal with. And then it went downhill from there. So for me, this 45 minutes or whatever it's been for us to be on this podcast has been worth it just to hear surprise is the enemy of yes. So that that wraps it up for me. That was it. I wrote it down three times on my, <laughs> on my notebook here. Well, this has been fantastic. We want to thank Jeff Borovitz for joining us today. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler show. And remember at the Tim Fowler show, we're working hard to eliminate. It is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.